going to read from 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. A little bit. Four verse, four verse 13. Okay. It's almost the same. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We're talking about fear today. Well, I don't want to make you all scared. (laughs) But can you tell me, if you could bear to be honest, it's hard to sometimes, but what, what things really make you afraid? What give, what gives you great fear? The old man coming out. The old man coming out. So by that, just explain that to us. What do you mean by the old man coming out? The pre-Christian man. Yeah. So what does that look like? Anger or and you know what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we want to know what you're like. <laughs> There's consequences for that, isn't there, afterwards? But the sucky. That's a theological word for it. Yeah. What else here? What else? I mean, you fear. Rejection. Rejection. Yes. By who? We love to be loved, don't we? We love everybody to love us. I, um, I did just an interesting I don't often do things like this, but I thought, no, I'm going to type in Google search quotes about fear. And there are endless quotes. Like you can get the 381 favourite quotes about fear, fear, the 82 quotes about fear. And you've got what Woody Allen said to overcome fear, what Gandhi said to overcome fear. Just about every person, famous, anybody successful, has sort of a quote about fear. You know what that tells you? They all struggle with fears, doesn't it? And they're all trying to do things in their minds to get rid of that kind of sometimes little bit of fear, sometimes paralysis by fear. Because that's what happens sometimes. People are are totally uh, frozen by it. Uh, Fear will keep you in, in your home. It will keep you uh, COVID has done something for us which has brought out fear often for older people uh, it's more of a hopefully a sense of social responsibility for younger people uh, for, for older people but there are many fears 
and it, it made me think with all these quotes, and, and some of them, they're really interesting to read, don't even go home and try it. Can you do something in your mind? Because all of them were saying, when you have this, think this, do this, act like this, make out they're not there, or they're not all that simple. Some of them were really quite profound. But can you do think, think thoughts that will make your fears go away? In the Bible, in general, what we find is that fears are dissolved when we know something, or particularly we know someone who has done something concrete to deal with the basis of our fears. Okay? So he's done something actual, because you see, our fears have a basis, something I'll just, we'll talk about a bit later, but the fear of death has a basis. Death. Okay? That's what. And so we can think nice thoughts or, or play mind games, but the basis of that fear remains. And so uh, what God has done is something to deal with the actual foundation of the fear, a resurrection. Or if you have, uh, I'll put it another way, say you have fear because there's a cyclone or an earthquake, I'm sure that if you lived through one of those, you would have fears. That's fair, isn't it? And, and you, you, in one sense, what you're confronted with is the thing that will make my fears go away is the cyclone to stop or the earthquake. But you see, sometimes we, if we call them, people call them storms in life, sometimes those storms just don't really go away or they stay for a long time the immediate fix is not the issue. The deeper issue of where, where our fears reside, whether it's the fear of death or, or rejection or something else, is really at the heart of our problem. Because you see, I'll, I'll put it another way. You have a long drought. What will fix the problem? Rain. True. But what will fix the... And rain's important, don't get me wrong. But there's a deeper importance that comes about the word hope. So that in the middle of a long drought, or you, you never know when you're 95% through a long drought, you know that? Because you don't know when it's going to rain. But when you're 95% through, which seems like you could be halfway through, what do you need? You need actually hope that will give you a foundation, and that's what God works on, the deep thing, a substantial hope. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm, I'm, rain is excellent, and rain gives you hope. But there's something deeper in our hearts that we, we that God deals with. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would just reveal to us today a substantial hope for our lives. Something solid that would dissolve our fears. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Only three points tonight, not the usual four, so that'll make it all good for you. First one is. Does anyone have to fear God? Good question. Point two is, how do we live with confidence? Let's follow the passage through. And point three is, perfect love drives out fear. The first one is, does anyone have to fear God? This passage, along with a number in 1 John, are talking about assurance for the believer. Assurance means, you can know that you are safe. How can you know that you're safe? Because you are saved. How can you know that you are saved? Because God truly loves you 
and there is no hint of fear that he's ever going to take his love away from you. Understand that? You can know that. So, Christians can have absolute assurance. But can everyone have assurance? Well, in, in John's writing, that's not quite there. It's for those who at the start said, um, you know, they know that God has sent his son to be saviour of the world and they acknowledge Jesus to be son of God and God lives in him and him in us. In other words, those who can have that assurance are those who trust in the saviour. When they trust in the saviour, they know the saviour because he's the saviour. And, but those, and the New Testament is clear on this, those who don't acknowledge the saviour can't be saved. And what they would generally do, people who do not know they're safe, is that they'll try and convince themselves that they are by using uh, quotes, even Christian quotes. I'm not afraid when they're afraid because they, 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 they haven't actually got to the point. What they use is what I would call pacifiers. You know, what a pacifier is, a dummy, really. But, but sometimes then, if that doesn't work, you pacify yourself with other things. Uh, endless activity, endless noise. I mean, I, I'm not against mobile phones and playing on Facebook, but oh, it's a bit of news up there. Um, <laughs> and, and, you, but, but, um, and, and it's, it's good, right? But what we can do is take every, creative, every waking moment and put a bit of noise in there as a way of hiding from the fact that we have fears and we have things in our lives that we don't deal with. Does that make sense? And, and obviously people have addictions because it's a great way of hiding. And a really interesting thing in COVID time and the last year is how many people I've heard say, I drink more than I used to. What's going on with that? What are you hiding from? Well, if, if you say, I drink more, what Because generally it is hiding somewhere. It's hiding from something. I don't want to think about that. I have a way of entering into escapism, is the word that's used, to hide from a fear. Okay. What I'm saying is this. Firstly, Christians can have absolute assurance of where they are in Christ. Other people will try and hide somewhere because they cannot get away from their fears, so they cannot have assurance. And how can we know, for us, the Spirit bears witness because God lives in us and we live in God. The Spirit brings assurance as He lives in us. He gives us hope and peace beyond what the world can offer. So in that moment of our greatest fear, something happens where the Spirit brings a truth which doesn't necessarily fix the problem, but actually says it's going to be alright because God knows what He's doing. Does that make sense? When we acknowledge that Jesus is our Saviour, we can have assurance because He is Saviour of the world and He is the only Saviour in this world. And without Him, I was actually speaking to someone this week who is living in absolute rebellious sin, like really going against God. And they were, they were really having a hard time with life and I came to them and they said, I know I shouldn't be afraid of God. I said, I think you should be. <laughs> yeah? Does that sound harsh? Um, if you're not trusting in Jesus, you're actually in danger. Yeah? 
Okay. I tell you, says Luke in Luke 12, says Jesus, sorry. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. There's only one way our fears can be dissolved, and that's through Christ. And we can have assurance. And so if people are stuck in fears, we point them to Christ. How do we live with confidence? How do we live with assurance, in that assurance? In verse 12, uh, 15, we have verse 15, somewhere there, he says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and him in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because of this world we are like him. Now, I'll talk about the day of judgment in a minute. But what he speaks on there, he speaks about we can rely on God's love. And when we rely on God's love, we'll have confidence. In other words, we know that God loves, for it, loves us and when we rely on that and we live in the knowledge of that, then we have confidence. But also in John, as you know, John is uh, immensely practical and he says, now if you live in God's love, you'll love. It bounces, it comes, it hits you and it goes off to others. And if you don't have that love, well, there's something going on with you. You'll live in selfishness and you'll lack confidence. But when you rely on his love, then you live in his love and you display his love and then it, it, it's actually, I, I, I know I said a few weeks ago, isn't it good to love people? Isn't it the best thing we can do? Isn't it, isn't it a great thing to love people? To actually give up of yourself, even if it hurts, your time, your energy, something else, of, of, of your own glory, to, to care, to give to another person. It is the best thing ever. It's better to give than receive. It is. It's the right way to live. And it's a great joy. And when we live that way, because God is love, then we enjoy life more. It says his, his joy is made complete in us. We rely on that love. Because it said in this world, because in this world we are like him. It's, well, the Greek says something like that. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, because as he is, we are also in this world. Because as he is, we are also in this world. How is he? He is self-sacrificing love. How are we? Self-sacrificing love. And when we live in that way, we have great confidence. And our hearts don't condemn us. That's what we said in chapter 3. We live as we should. We are unashamed of our own conduct. When we live in selfishness, we live in shame. But we're unashamed when we live in love because we reflect his glory, the glory of his character. So how do we have confidence? We rely on his love, we live in his love, we act in his love. The third part, perfect love drives out fear. Now I'll read verse 17 and 18 again. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
We watched Robin Hood last night. You seen the new Robin Hood movie? And the great and evil cardinals. The church is not good in that movie, I tell you. They are very, very bad. And uh, he, they were talking about using Sheriff Nottingham and the cardinal were talking about fear. And, they, and, the, and the cardinal said, fear is the greatest weapon in God's arsenal. That's what he said. Fear is the greatest weapon. God is using fear all the time. It's his weapon he's using against us. In that case, what it really meant was the church was using that fear to get lots of taxes off people and uh, try and kill Robin Hood, who was wonderful, robbing the rich and giving the poor. Anyway, love is the greatest weapon in God's arsenal. Did you know that? Love is the greatest weapon in God's arsenal. In his, in his weapon cache, it overcomes fear. His love overcomes fear. Now, where does that fear spring from? Now, this is where we're, we're going to do a bit, it's a bit heavy today, but I'm afraid it's not heavy. So it says, it will set you free from the fear of a number of things. Number one, the fear of judgment day. Where it starts. Judgment day will happen, okay? And I've just read one verse in, in Hebrews 9.27, man, just as man is destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. So there will be a judgment day. Now, should a non-Christian be afraid? Should they fear judgment day? Okay. We need not because Jesus has dealt with the basis of the problem of our fear, which is our sin. The guilty verdict was placed on our sin, on Jesus, and he took the punishment for that sin. So I read the verse out of context there. I'll read you the rest of it because it had that sad bit, you know, the way the sin is dead. But the gift of God is eternal life. Just as man is destined to die once and after that face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away sins, the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to be a sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's good, good news there, isn't there? And so it's, what he's saying is, we have passed, those who believe, have passed through judgment day already. So in John 5.24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You've passed through judgment. How did you pass through judgment and gone from death to life? When Jesus died and rose from death. So you need, can you, if you are a Christian, you know this, do not fear judgment day. Don't think, gee, I wonder what's going on. God's going, he's going to find something against me. Don't fear judgment day. Otherwise Jesus died for nothing. Otherwise Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Okay? Do not fear judgment day. The consequence of fear, uh, of judgment day, is, is actually the, the fear of death. You understand what I'm saying? And the devil loves to wield the fear of death, but how does he use it? By accusation. If he can convince you that you are still guilty of sin, then his accusation can come true, and you can live, you have to have a fear of death and a fear of judgment, though. True? And so in Hebrews 2, 14, Hebrews says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that's Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus destroyed 
it say you destroyed the power of death? Actually, it said you destroyed the devil. The devil has nothing on you anymore. Because there's two main ways the devil will, will work with you. Accusation and fear. What do we do? Threats, accusation, guilt. And his works have been destroyed. How? Through Jesus has destroyed the power of accusation by taking away our sin and by rising from the dead. There is no fear in death. You will be raised from the dead. So it says, that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. People were held as slaves of the fear of death, in bondage, in jail. And Jesus has destroyed everything that they have over them. What does that mean in simple terms? We can face death with confidence. Fear of judgment gone, fear of death, death gone. Uh, the fear of negative, then he says, they're all negative. Sorry about this, everybody, but I'm not really that sorry. <laughs> he has freed us from the fear of punishment. He says, uh, yeah, the fear of punishment. Now that word for punishment is only used once else in the Bible, in the, the Greek word, and it's in Matthew 25 to 46, where Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats being divided and says, some will go off to eternal punishment and some will go to eternal life. So, it didn't say, some will go to eternal life with a bit of punishment along the way. It said, some will go to eternal punishment, some will go to eternal life. There won't be purgatory, that's good to know, isn't it? There's not going to be just a a bit of a punch-up just because you've uh, done a few things wrong and after that you'll be right. You're as children. You are in a secure relationship and there is no fear of punishment. No fear. You know that? Good. We also don't have to fear other people. Um... Jesus said something like, don't fear those who can, like we said before, destroy the body. Don't fear what other people can do. And the next bit is, and I'm glad to mention it then, fear of redemption. That's a really big thing for us as people. I do want everyone to like me. You should say, how's that working out for you? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> really good. You have to put the fear of rejection from other people in a right context. I have told you, God will never reject you. You hear that? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I reject you. Jesus said, my God, my God, I love you. Have forsaken me or abandoned me or rejected me. He experienced that so that that would never happen for us. But when it comes to people in this world... Someone said the other day, up to me on the phone, if you do this, there are two actions. If you do this, a number of people like you and another group won't like you. Well, he said, hey. He said, but if you do this, that people, those people will probably like you, but those people will hate you. He said, but there's nothing you can do to control them. He said, so, so do what's right. That's the reality of life, but God won't reject you. He won't hate you. And that is the thing, the foundation that gives us peace when some people will dislike what we do and say. Okay, That's the thing that gives us hope beneath the fears. 
Now, I want to say this. I, I think this is um, my own point, which is not out of the passage, but I think it's really good for us to analyse our fears. In other words, when you have a fear, think about it and say, what is the basis of this fear? Think about it. What is below this? And then ask this question. What has God done to deal with the basis of that fear? Because he has. He has already done. He has dealt with the heart of the problem in some way. So we're holding on to something and saying that it's been what God's already done. So many of our fears are dissolved simply by a knowledge that God knows what he's doing, that he's in control. I said, uh, we spoke a little bit about it at men's night the other night. We had an excellent, you went there, excellent men's night the other night. Well, I thought it was. I had a great time. Yeah, but one of the things was, um, as we bring security to other people in their life, when we tell them, that even though we don't understand what we're going through, I was talking about my children, they have hard times. Children just do that. They just endlessly, they're just an endless deep vacuum of hard times. Yep. They are. That is the truth is, they're not to other people because they tell their parents. They don't tell anyone else, right? Do they? They just, they just, whatever, oh, I'm happy, I'm happy, go in the room alone, you know. Um, what our job is to bring them security so often is simply to say, do you know what? You know God's in control of your life. Yeah? You know that he works in all things for good. You don't understand what's going on. Neither do I. But he is working. He is doing something. Because at the heart of uh, uh, so much of our problems is, is that we doubt that God has a plan. Or if he does have a plan, we doubt he's doing it the right way. Down to the right plan. But what we need to remind each other of constantly is, do you know what? God's in control of this. God's got this. He knows what he's doing. And we need to remind each other. Definitely remind the children. No one else will remind the children. Because they won't tell anyone else their problems. That's what I'm saying. Okay? And we need to remind ourselves. You read the Psalms. David says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. And say, hey, you soul, and you in there, soul, praise the Lord. Why? Because you're going through a hardship, and I've got all these enemies, and they're bearing down on me, and it looks like I'm going to be thrashed. Right? So praise the Lord, O my soul. And what does he say so often? And don't forget the Lord's steadfast love. Who? You. Me. Don't forget it. Remind yourself. Call it to mind. Because God has dealt with the foundational issues, and His endless love, which has... Defeated all fear, his perfect love drives out all fear. When we call that to mind, the fears will go. And he will bring, when we know that he has overcome the foundation of all fears, he will bring, it said, the completion of joy. That's what we want to live with. Completion of joy. It's a great thing to be able to turn to God when you're, when you're afraid and know that He will bring you what you need. I'm just going to read a, a passage at the end. It's not hugely specific, but it is talking about fear. It's one you've probably heard before. It's from Isaiah 43. And I hope that you can hear this God speaking to you. 
But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you. He who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be there. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I, I, I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Fear not. Father, we thank you for the promise that you are with us, that you call us by name, that you say we are yours. And I pray that we would learn to be children who remind ourselves, who remind one another of that firm foundation, that hope that drives out all fear, that, that flows from your love for us. And I pray, Father, that we would live in confidence, in boldness, in surety, in certainty, because we know that you have done everything necessary to not only destroy our fears, but to bring us home to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name.